Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. The first scripture for this morning is from Psalm chapter 25, 22, verses 1 to 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. The second verse is from Mark, chapter 15, verses 33 to 34. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. You may be seated. I'd ask that you would pray with me this morning. Gracious and almighty God, we hear these last seven words, words from the cross, and we wonder what they mean and how they could speak to us today. And so God, speak. God, may the words that I say no longer be my own, but but your words, your message for your people. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to have your your bulletins handy with you. They do have places for you to jot down some notes so that when the Spirit speaks to you this morning, you you can write those down also has scripture readings for you to reflect on throughout the week uh, and questions to think about. And so as we have begun before, uh, it, you know, we talk about this because scripture is full of words that are, that are written in red. And I don't know if you have one of those Bibles or not that has all those words written in red, the words that Jesus spoke. The words that he spoke to his disciples, to The woman at the well, Mary and Martha, the women who came to the tomb that early morning, and the crowds that gathered to hear his teaching, and even the crowds that gathered around the cross that day, they're the words that he spoke to you and to me. Words are so incredibly important because they give us a true insight into the triune God. But there are certain words that, as we talked about, seem to carry a little more weight because of from where they were spoken. 
referring to these wonderful words that were given to us from the cross. The pain that Jesus was facing was unbearable, and so we followed that process of crucifixion and know that by speaking words from the cross, it was hard enough to breathe, let alone to actually speak. Therefore, the words that Jesus spoke from the cross are ones that we should pay very close attention to, and so that is what we are doing throughout this series in Lent, focusing on those last seven words that you just saw on the screen. And so today, we, we continue on this journey to the cross as we focus on the last words of Jesus, and our journey today turns a bit darker. Last week, we shared about hope as we dreamed about visions of heaven, of paradise, and about the kingdom of God. But today, the words, words seem a little bleak. They invoke feelings of despair, of sadness, of loss, and, and even abandonment. I mean, we hear time and time again that God will never leave us or forsake us. And if that's true, then why do we hear these words from God's own Son? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Doesn't this go against all that we know about God? Does this mean that in our absolute worst times of our life, that God could turn his back on us? Now, I don't know about you, but, but I have struggled with this particular last word from Jesus throughout my life. I remember during Sunday school or Bible studies talking about these words being taken at, at face value. What was said is what was meant, and, and that troubled me. I wonder if you've ever felt that same way. The thought of God not being there when you needed God the most is pretty devastating. But this is one way that some theologians look at this phrase. One way of, of expressing the meaning behind this is that Jesus needed to bear the full weight of our sin on his shoulders. Jesus needed to feel it all. One result of our sin is our separation from God. You see, there are times when we put barriers up in our relationship with God, when we decide that we know better. When we rebel against God's plan for our lives, when we hurt each other and we don't show that hope, grace, and love that God wants us to share. So when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. And this, they would say, is what Jesus was feeling at that moment. If Jesus was fully divine and fully human, then, we would need to, then he would need to feel everything that we do. And there are certain times, certain times when we feel abandoned by God. But you see, in order to redeem all aspects of our lives, Jesus would need to experience everything that we do. In the dark moments of your life, how close do you feel to God? 
How close do you really feel to God in those really dark times? Have there been times when you felt like you were abandoned? It felt like God left you alone? And I'm guessing that those are the times when when this popular saying of is, if you can't sense God in your life, who moved, can seem so true. I think we need to be aware of our perception of this abandonment. While we may feel like God has abandoned us in our time of need, I think we all know, deep down, that God doesn't leave us. That God will always walk our journeys with us, no matter how hard they are. And this is why I have a hard time with the thought that these words could, have, that these words could be true from Jesus, if taken literally. I find it incredibly troubling to think about God turning his back on his only son in his greatest time of need. Now, you may not agree with me on that, and that's okay. We don't always have to agree on everything, but we still can love each other. You see, God speaks to us all in ways that we need to hear. However, If these words were not taken literally, if they're not supposed to be taken literally, then how do we think about them? Is there a deeper meaning found? And I think there is. And it comes from thinking about where these words were originally spoken. We hear in the beginning of Psalm 22, we just heard it just a few minutes ago, and it started how? Yes, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it shouldn't surprise you that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament all the time. Does it all the time. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, And we see this as he begins his ministry. One of the first things that we hear Jesus say, he unrolls a scroll from Isaiah and quotes, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And then when Jesus is tempted, we find these words from Exodus, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This also tells me that that those who follow Jesus knew. They knew his teaching style. They would understand that when Jesus spoke, they should be aware of allusions to Scripture, not illusions, but allusions to Scripture that they would have already known. It would have brought up things in their memory from past Scriptures. And so this begs the question, why Psalm 22? And why these particular words? And was it just, just as confusing to those around the cross that day as it is for, for us at times? You see, I think there was a direct intention, as always, with the words that Jesus spoke. Therefore, what if Jesus spoke those particular words so that those around him would, would draw a direct correlation to Psalm 22. When they heard that, that little phrase, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Would their minds have immediately gone to Psalm 22? And if so, maybe there's something there that we should explore. And we've already heard the first five verses this morning, which included the phrase that Jesus spoke. But what else did you hear? You see, verse 2 talks about this. It says, talks about crying out by day, but also by night, and finding no rest. Was it not just the night before that, that Jesus was praying fervently to God? He was crying out, asking for a cup to pass, if it only could. And then, verses 6 through 8, it says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by my people. All who see me mock me, and they, they make mouths at me, and they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. It certainly sounds like the, the process of crucifixion and those who gathered around the cross that day. It even points to the soldiers and the criminals mocking of Jesus, telling Jesus, if you were the Son of God, save yourself. Save yourself. Verse 14. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Here we find a description of what Jesus could have been experiencing on the cross during that crucifixion. Bones out of joint, heart like wax, tongue sticking to the inside of his mouth could have all been things that he experienced through this execution. And then we have 16 through 18. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. It's so clear, is it not? Evildoers encircle him, piercing his hands and his feet. The soldiers dividing his clothes by casting lots. It's like it's like David is writing a screenplay for what is happening. Is it beginning to make sense as to why Jesus would be citing the beginning of this psalm? The beginning of the psalm lays it out before us that it should have done the same for the people watching the spectacle. 
We've heard it time and time again that the disciples didn't fully understand what was going on and and what really needed to happen to fulfill the prophecy, to fulfill Scripture. So if the disciples didn't understand, did those who were following Jesus' teaching understand? What about all those that gathered for that miraculous feeding of the 5,000? What about those along the roads of small towns that that Jesus taught in? Did they understand? Maybe by sharing the first verse of Psalm 22, Jesus was able to convey the deeper meaning that is found within. Maybe he was actually able to finally reach them and they finally understood upon hearing, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would have thought about the history and the prophecy found within. They would have remembered all that we have just talked about and now have literally seen it played out right in front of them. And then, taking a step back, Maybe they remembered the rest of the psalm. Because as we look ahead, verse 22 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. Praising God for and telling our brothers and sisters about the things that God has done for us. Here is a message of offering a testimony, offering a witness to our faith. And then we come upon verse 26. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Your hearts live forever. Certainly this could point to those miraculous feedings that Jesus, during Jesus' ministry. But I think it also sheds a little light on our sacrament of Holy Communion. Every time we celebrate this feast, we are fed and we are satisfied. And finally, as we listen to these last few verses of Psalm 22, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. They shall come and proclaim the righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. What does it sound like to you? All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to God. All nations will will come and worship together. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we long for, the new heaven and the new earth. However, notice that we still have work to do. 
It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Just like those many generations before, many generations before us, we are called to tell the next generation and the one after that and the one after that about all that God has done, about how good God has been to us. This is how Psalm 22 ends, with a foretaste of heaven, the kingdom of God. You see, while it begins in a place of despair, brokenness, pain, and loss, it ends in triumph. It ends in celebration. It ends with the salvation offered through Jesus Christ because of what he did on that cross. So while I understand, while some feel that that Jesus felt the abandonment of God while he hung on the cross, weighted down with all of our sin, I find comfort in knowing that he was quoting from a passage of Scripture that not only gave those who were watching this horrific thing happening, giving them hope, but also giving that to us, giving us hope. While the people gathered were awestruck by the brutality and the seemingly finality of the events that were taking place, hearing these words would have brought them hope. Hope in a horrible time. Maybe it didn't happen right then. Maybe it was in the hours that followed that, as they shared their memories during their grief. Maybe then it was possible that It was during that time that they realized what the words meant. I truly believe that Jesus was not just speaking the words for their meaning only, but that he was invoking the psalm as a whole. This brings us hope because it points to a much greater good. When you hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Please don't think about God abandoning you. Because we hear it over and over and over again that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Because because God is with us, we should not be afraid. So whether you're in that spot right now, whether you're feeling the abandonment of God in your life, the world seems a little darker today, trust that God doesn't leave you. Trust that in this phrase that Jesus shared with all of those around and with us today, That that message for us is that no matter how bleak it looks, no matter the pain you are going through, no matter the, the discomfort, no matter the feeling of loss or abandonment, that God is still there. And that God will bring us all together. As he does, like he does here in worship, whether it's here or online, we are all together. We come together and worship our living God because God gives us this hope that there is something far greater 
far better than we could ever imagine. So God does not leave you. God does not forsake you. God will be with you in that moment, in those places that you are in today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, we we have heard your message. We have heard the words of your son, Jesus Christ, from the cross. And we now realize that it's not spoken because you abandoned him. Because like you said throughout scripture, you will never leave us either. That you will not abandon us. That you will come to us. That you will give us the the Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us. That you will always be there. And that we know that no matter what difficulties we face, you walk right beside us. And you carry us through those times. And so God, for those who are feeling that this morning, remind them once again, of your presence and give us this hope. Give us your grace and your mercy. All this I ask in the mighty and powerful name of your son who went to the cross to die for us. Amen. surrendered your all to the will of God. You know, even hearing this, this passage this morning of wondering if that meant that, that, that God might have abandoned us in our, in our deepest hour, but knowing now that no, that God is always with us, especially as we surrender our lives to him. And so as we, as we leave this place, as we go maybe next door and enjoy some fellowship and continued worship time with each other, because it truly is an extension of our worship. Uh, We have that next door, and for all of those that are watching online, there will be that link that goes to the Zoom meeting. And so you can click on that, go to that Zoom gathering, and fellowship with with all of those that that are joining us online for the streams. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to share some time with each other. Share that love and grace and mercy that God gives us with each other. And so now go, knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.